You're listening to Drek FM. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. Welcome, everyone, to the 602 Club. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, this uh, Imperial installation is running rather smoothly this evening. Um, we are having a bit of Karelian ale or brandy, either one. And um, there's a weird blue-skinned alien. Oh, wait, that's just Bruce. Bruce, what are you doing? I'm just feeling blue today. I think it oh, must okay. be all the drinks I've had here mm. in Ruby's or the... I now call it Rubies because I just think of it as being her, you know, <laughs> the 602 club true. is okay, but you know, it's really Rubies. That is so true. It really is hers. We just get to borrow it. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited tonight to talk about Thrawn. Uh, you know, goodness. Is he here? No. Oh, okay. We can talk about him then. He did leave us a message. He wanted us to know that he will destroy us piece by piece. That was it. That was a good throng. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, um, again, I, I mean, this is something for me, uh, Star Wars books... It was the original Thrawn novels uh, by Zahn all those years ago. Uh, I remember uh, actually seeing, you know, the heir to the Empire in the the bookstore, you know, and just freaking out uh, as is as a young young man and and just being so excited that there was more Star Wars. And you know, this is a character obviously then who's been with me for a long time. And so it's great to have him finally here. Uh, in canon as a part of Rebels, obviously, but now uh, a whole book really kind of devoted to him in a way that we've never experienced, which is as a character. And so I'm excited to dive into that. And uh, I want to thank everybody uh, who has done our review contest over on iTunes for the Star Wars 602 Club collection. I really appreciate that. Uh, we didn't get all the reviews back that we lost, but keep them coming. But I wanted to award uh, the uh, two copies of Rogue One on Blu-ray uh, that we are giving away for that. And so uh, I we're going to be uh, drawing those names now. And uh, the first one, which I love, uh, is none your business. That's right. None your <laughs> business. Well, I'm in your business because you want a copy of Rogue One. So definitely hit us up over on... Uh, Trek.fm slash contact, choose the 602 Club and send your information so we can get that out to you. And uh, the, the next winner is There Is Another. That's right, There Is Another. Uh, both of them have given us five-star reviews. And again, uh, hit us up on Trek.fm slash contact, choose the 602 Club and let me have your information and I will make sure that you get your copies of Rogue One on Blu-ray. And again, thank you guys so much for helping us out with the uh, Star Wars 602 Club collection there on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it was unfortunate that we had lost all the reviews we had. Uh, we'd love to be able to continue to get more there, really help that uh, feed find people again. Uh, and so uh, please uh, help us out. And uh, again, 
congratulations to There Is Another and Nunya Business. Um, that sounds so funny <laughs> when you say it that way. <laughs> I know. Nunya Business. Um, <laughs> you know, there is another and it's none of your business. That's right. It is. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. You know, there's another Nunya Business. Um, so you could find us uh, too all over the place. Of course, we uh, just like the Star Wars 602 Club Collection, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're a feature provider there at Trek FM. You can find all the shows we do, of course, with the 602 Club, Star Wars 602 Club Collection, and everything else. You can find us on Twitter, at TrekFM, and then Facebook, and Facebook.com slash TrekFM. And then, if you love interacting with all of us who are here on the network and all those who listen, you can go to Facebook.com, type Babel conference into the search field there and you will find our listeners only discussion group and you can join everybody else who is talking about all the things we're talking about on all the shows that we do here on trek fm now bruce uh i wanted to kind of just ask you i know that you have just like i it was kind of mentioning at the beginning you know the thrawn books big deal uh in our fandom you know it kind of got us uh, into Star Wars books in a lot of ways um, and really opened up that door. So I wanted to ask you just even before we kind of kick off talking about the book or the character or anything like that, did you have any specific expectations coming into this because it was Zahn coming back to write Thrawn in canon this time? Hmm, that's a good question. I think my expectations were based on something he had mentioned at Dragon Con, and that was the fact that this takes place in an early part of Thrawn's life, and that this book could fit in the existing canon, of course, as it's written into, but it could also work in the existing Legends storylines that he wrote. So he said this could be a prequel to both the Thrawn trilogy and the existing canon material that's coming out. So when I was coming into this book, I thought, well, it's going to be probably less adventure like the Thrawn trilogy and more of a biography about Thrawn in the early days leading up to Rebels. And guess what? That's exactly what it does. Yeah, no, I I, I loved hearing that when he was saying that at Dragon Con last year. And it really opened my mind to the fact that for him... And I think for so many of these writers, you know, the only difference is, is kind of the label that gets put on it these days, whether it's legend or canon, right? But to them, it's always been the same thing. They've been trying to write good Star Wars stories, and that's really all that's mattered. And, uh, you know, with this, um, I think one of the most interesting things about the character of Thrawn is that he is, for the most part, if you just take the character, maybe not the Yusil Mary. Um, everything else really kind of could fit within canon still for the most part, right? I mean, there's not a lot in the Thrawn books that it's completely off base, um, except for then you get into the cloning aspect, and that's a little bit different than the Clone Wars, but you could go, you know, anyway. Yeah, there's it, very minor contradictions at this point. Mm -hmm. Right. And so uh, it's exciting to get into this book and do, in many ways, you feel like you know the character in a, in a lot of ways already. But something you mentioned is this is kind of a biography of the character of Thrawn, which also means that this really is a book about the character. You know, um, in the original Thrawn trilogy, the, the character of Thrawn 
is never fully explored. He is more just the foil for our heroes. This puts him front and center, his mindset, the way he thinks. I mean, this is about Thrawn's character. And something that I wanted to dive into you about was finally taking Thrawn from kind of a more static character because he's just kind of the villain in those books to making him a more dynamic character. I think it's important to point out before we get too deep into Thrawn is, and that is where, where he's coming from in literature and in Rebels. So as you mentioned, there was the trilogy that came out in the early 90s and Timothy Zahn wrote a few other books that featured Thrawn. But then uh, when Lucasfilm and Disney reset things, Now that's considered legends and not canon, those Thrawn books, but then Thrawn is reintroduced into the animated series Star Wars Rebels, which now makes him a character within the canon continuity. So now Thrawn has been been reintroduced into the Star Wars universe. So at the same time that that's going on, we find out that this book is coming out by Timothy Zahn, the one who created the character. And I did wonder if there would be some changes made to the character based on what the story group and Lucasfilm is doing with the character in Rebels. And I think they've stayed pretty true to the Thrawn character. I think it also helps that uh, the the, the people behind the scenes of Rebels met with Timothy Zahn before they started animating and creating the storylines for him in the Rebels series. So we've stayed pretty consistent and pure to the Thrawn character from Legends into the new canon. So it was good to see that this book does really delve deep into Thrawn, and it's not a Thrawn that's different from the Thrawn we knew from the novels from way back when. No, I think that's actually an excellent point to make. And, uh, and and two, anybody who has, and I'm sure most people that are listening to this have, if you've watched the Rebels series, that Thrawn feels like he and the, the one from the original Thrawn trilogy novels are one and the same, pretty much. You know, there, there's no real difference there. What I, I thought was so great about this book called Thrawn was that we're going to take him from being just the villainous and or Sherlock Holmesy type, or whether you want to call him the Moriarty, um, that type of character or character maybe, um, and deepen him and and give him motivations beyond just being any kind of villain and everything. And that's, I think, the thing that shocked me the most, Bruce, is that... Thrawn is not really the villain in this book. You know, like, he's the most upstanding Imperial that we've ever known. I mean, he his goal is not to, to utterly destroy people. You know, uh, he, he thinks of people as, you know, resources for the Empire, and so therefore they are needed, they're good. If you can save lives, it's important. I mean, like, uh, all the values which he holds are, are so different than what you would think of as like the normal imperial and and i came away from this book thinking to myself wow i really like this character he just happens to be serving the same side because he doesn't see another way 
to help his own people. And that's really kind of fascinating. That's one thing I was very surprised about this book is that when he does whatever mission it is that he's on, which may be destroying a mind or something or destroying even a ship, that he is doing everything he can to make sure no one is losing a life during this, that he's trying to do it in a way that people are not going to die, or at least a mass amount of people aren't going to die. And you would think when you think of the empire, it's like, they don't care. You know, they're going to, if they're going to blow up a mind, they're going to blow up everybody that's there. Cause if you're there, then you're in the wrong place. And well, too luck, too, too bad of luck. You're out of it. So boom, we're blowing up the mind and lives are gone, but he's, he doesn't work in that way. And I don't know if that's because he thinks about his people and what they've been through or might even go through. And he has some sympathy for those, even though they're not his people or his race, but he has a certain sympathy for, for them. And I never expected to hear that from him. I thought he would be the cutthroat guy that would, wouldn't care. You know, I'm going to, if I have to blow up the ship, then all the lives are going to be lost, but he's not quite like that. There's a good side to him. I don't want to make it sound like a star Wars thing where it's like, you know, there is good in him, but it's, it is a different aspect of the character that I never would have considered to be revealed in this book. So it did add some dimension to him. And it is interesting how he plays the Empire for himself and plays the other admirals. I love the fact that he really outsmarts other admirals around him, even when he's not an admiral yet. No, I... That that's something that's really interesting. And so so just to kind of set the stage for everyone, Thrawn allows himself to be found by the Empire because years ago uh, he ran into um, a Jedi, which we find out was Anakin Skywalker at the end of the Clone Wars. And he ran into this Jedi because he had run into some Nemoidians who had run away because of everything that had happened at the end of the war. Um, he goes kind of in search of, of finding what the galaxy is like beyond the what we think of as wild space looking into, you know, um, the, the Star Wars galaxy, sees the Republic crumbling, the, the effect of the Clone Wars, ends up meeting uh, Anakin Skywalker, who m- mentions to him... Um, basically give, giving him the right calling card so that if he ever wants to talk to the emperor, you, didn't, you just drop my name, you know, show my card, basically. My Jedi card. And he and his people are aware of something beyond them that is even what he considers and his people consider to be even worse than, say, the Empire. Uh, some kind of evil. And, and, and this all connects to a lot of things that especially you saw in the Aftermath trilogy, we've seen in other places as well. And so Thrawn puts himself on a planet, makes it look like he's been exiled, even though he hasn't. It's all a game. Well, not really a game. It's all a setup to get him to a place where he can hopefully study the Empire. And yet, when he's delivered to Palpatine, Palpatine sees that he has uses that would go beyond something like that and gets put into an Imperial Academy uh, 
and in three months basically comes out a lieutenant. That's how smart this guy is. Yeah, he gets promoted very fast throughout the book. (laughs) Well, and part of that is, like you said, he is continually showing people up, admirals, anyone who is above him, because one, he, he doesn't care about rank, but two... Uh, it's because of his brilliance. and uh, But what was so interesting was that you have this person who now you finally understand why he's part of the Empire, and it's not because he believes in the Empire. It's because he believes that one day this may be the only thing that stands between the entire galaxy and my people and something worse than this. And and that and and he feels uh, in a sense that he's between a rock and a hard place. So do I work with this or do you know? And um, it it creates a really interesting moral conundrum to which he has to wrestle with because he's like you said he's not somebody as an imperial who just willy nilly goes in and blows up whatever's in his way you know he's always thinking tactically and and it's because of the value that he places on other people as resources for the empire better uses for people um and i think again that's just um it's such an alien concept for the empire but it makes sense that it would be thrawn who would be doing this because he is the alien outsider on the inside. So with that's the perspective that we get throughout the entire book. And to me, that was probably one of the most fascinating things was seeing that outsider insider perspective from Thrawn on the empire. Yeah. The empire doesn't love aliens They're They love humanoids. They love their own humans. I should say really. Um, but as you mentioned, the emperor sees something in Thrawn that he can benefit from. And the f- fact that Thrawn's from, uh, some other planet in the unknown region. And then his people are called the Chiss, like chess. It almost is like chess to me because he is playing chess in a lot of ways in this. But, you know, it, the emperor wants to know more about what's going on in this region of space that's unknown. And like you mentioned, we've, we've gotten hints of this even in the Aftermath trilogy and then in The Force Awakens. I mean, the First Order is somewhere beyond the outer rims or wherever. And then, of course, there's the mystery of Snoke. And I feel like we're getting these little clues that there's something bigger beyond the galaxy somewhere else that's even bigger and badder than the Empire. And I think it's interesting that it was decided to connect Thrawn to that. So I don't know if, you know, maybe even one of the movies, we may see this race appear in a, in a future film or, or, you know, have a play on screen, which would be really interesting. But the fact that the Emperor sees that, you know, Thrawn could provide the Emperor information about that region that would be beneficial to him because he has a fear of what this greater threat could be someday. And at the same time, Thrawn's looking at the Empire and saying, well, whatever threat's out there, I think the Empire has some value to it that they could it could help defend my people. So they're really benefiting from each other. And the Emperor is supporting Thrawn when most aliens, and I put that in quotes, most aliens wouldn't be at these levels of positions within the Empire. 
Yeah, that whole idea of mutual benefit is is a really big thing. And, and it's one of the things that will be throughout the entire book and comes at probably one of the most surprising moments. We will talk about a little bit later uh, in the book where Thrawn meets with somebody who's been basically his Moriarty and is actually propositioning him to join him in a way that's completely unexpected. And, and it's just, it's, it's really fascinating, this whole idea of, of using each other for mutual advantage. And it has to be touched on that um, many people are expecting and, and kind of have wondered, is this big villain the Vong? And that all stems from the fact that the Vong may or may not have made it into the Clone Wars. If they had continued the Clone Wars, there was opportunity for them, and they they had some plans to maybe be reference that and and use some of that. So that could be what it is, but I think more likely what you said is absolutely what it's going to be. It's going to be whatever this threat is for Episode Eight and Nine. And, and I think that's really what we're all, all of this is leading to more so than maybe the Vong who, yes, this could also be a setup for something like that. But I, I really do. I, I kind of feel that in my gut that it's, it's really just all the things that we've been referencing for episode eight and nine. And, and my, I guess my, my real gut reaction is is it feels more like it could be Snoke or, or something of that ilk, uh, that that really great evil, um, which is interesting that Thrawn thinks of whatever the evil is, and so do his people, as worse than the Empire, worse than the tyranny of the Empire. And I think that was kind of, uh, that's a scary thought. <laughs> Because we don't we don't think of things as being much worse than the Empire. No, but if you're Lucasfilm and you're going to create new storylines and take the Star Wars saga forward, it's like, well, what can we do that's even bigger and badder than the Empire? And maybe that's what we're building towards. Because Kylo Ren isn't bigger and badder than Darth Vader. So something bigger has got to come. You know, yeah, there's got to be hope. some big, bigger evil threat. Yeah, because he's, he's, I mean, emo kid is not really all that scary, right? <laughs> so um, what what really is, is interesting, too, is and what I loved is how the book kind of reinforces the character of Thrawn and who he is and what he values. You know, um, early on in the Academy experience when he is linked up with this character, Eli Vantu, who we'll definitely talk about a little bit later because he's just fantastic. But they're both attacked. And part of this is because, like you said, uh, the Empire is one of the most elitist and xenophobic places you can imagine at this point. And Thrawn's reaction to the attack and the, the aftermath of that and what he suggests as punishment for or quote-unquote punishment for those people is so fascinating because he's able to deduce that these people who attacked him would actually be better off being pilots 
for TIE fighters, and they get sent to, what is it, the Strike Force Academy? I can't remember. Yeah, something it's the, like it's the that. same academy we saw in, in, in uh, Rebels, and I forgive me, fans, for not being able to recall the name right off the top of my head. I'm awful. You can tweet at me on uh, at, you know, Twitter at Matt Rush. This is just too. so embarrassing. Yeah, it's so embarrassing. Uh, but you can't remember it either, Bruce. So it no, be embarrassed I can't. With me. But I was relying on you. Okay. <laughs> well, um, it, it's it's the thing that I think again it, it it sets this character apart as somebody who thinks beyond just himself, but he's always thinking about the variables and and the way in which people and things and all can benefit the whole instead of just himself. And I think that's really interesting because when you look at the rest of the empire and even who we're going to kind of parallel his journey with, with uh, Arinda Price, everybody else is kind of just out for themselves in the empire. They're just really selfishly driven to get what they can get. And, And I love that Thrawn has this completely alien perspective of, that's not what he's about. Um, he's always trying to find the best solution for the most amount of people. He has this really utilitarian view of things, and that's just really not the Empire uh, in general. And that's one of the things that really sets him apart, but I also think it's one of the things that ends up making him so successful. And so, I, I again, digging into this character, I can honestly say that Thrawn is my favorite Imperial character of all time. Like, he's just become... I, I there's nobody else that I look to and I'm like, wow, really? Because he's the f- one character I feel like in the Empire that you can kind of actually look up to and not feel bad for being like, oh, I'm liking the bad guy. You know, because he, he's not really a cut and dry bad guy. Okay, I'll I'll go with that. I, I like you saying that. Uh, I can see that. I could go along with that. I don't know if I'd say he's my favorite character i've never been a big thrawn fan it's not that i don't like thrawn and i've you know we've talked about this offline but i ruby can you can you remove bruce yeah just let's let's get him out of here wait 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 (laughs) just one more drink please just one more (laughs) because i need it for this one um because i'm gonna get in trouble the thing about thrawn he's very like you said sherlock holmes type he figures all these things out but he's almost too perfect. Like, I just want more flaws in him. There's got to be something in him that isn't always right. Like, even when he does something wrong or you perceive he's done something wrong, oops, didn't work his way. He says, no, I had it planned all the time. I never expected it to end up that way. It's like, oh, come on. You're like, even when he's exiled on that island, it's like, you know, I'm like, I mean, on the planet, I'm like, well, at least he, you know, his people, I guess, were smarter than him. And then he reveals later, oh, no, that didn't really happen. I had planned it. It's like, I just want to. I just want something where it's like, you know, do, does he care for anybody? Is he in love? Does he have family issues? You know, has he had, you know, any kind does of... Does he have psych- an alcohol problem? Yeah, like, there's got to be something <laughs> with this guy that's just, like, you know, a flaw. Because that's what would make him more human to me. And, I mean, I know he's not a human, but you right. know what I'm saying. It's no, like, I just no, think it would right. add such more yeah. dimension out, out of him. Well, and, the, and this is the thing that, um, just on the other side, why I like that that's not the case is because... One of the things in the book that I really enjoy is the alienness of Thrawn and his thinking. 
and just how he acts. Um, and he does have what the humans in the book consider flaws, which is he's not politically motivated. He's not politically driven. Uh, he's very bad at social niceties. Uh, and that could get him in more trouble than it does if he didn't have somebody like Eli Vantu there, if he didn't have somebody like Yularen there, or Price, or even the favor of the em Emperor, which all of those people kind of insulate and protect him, and then Tarkin ends up kind of being a person who does that too in, in the end. Like, all of these people really allow him to kind of get away with being somebody who doesn't play by the imperial rules. He just doesn't. He does things his own way. He creates his own plans. It's not a part of the imperial code book whatsoever. And he, so it's like, yeah, he wins these victories, but he would have been court-martialed 12 times over in this book if it hadn't been for the other connections Right, but he, he put those other connections in his circle. But, well, that's not absolutely true because um, he was not the one... Uh, he wanted Eli to be by his side, but it was actually the Emperor that kind of made that so. And kind of... that uh, Because that was he, the plan he, all along. Well, <laughs> right. But, I mean, what my point was is this, that... There are things that are out of Thrawn's control, and there are times when things might go his way at one point, but they could easily go badly, like, say, in a court-martial if it wasn't for friends in high places. True. Um, and, and part of that is... That's why I keep you around. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, so, yeah, no, but I, 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 I can see what you're saying. Um, for me... I I thought that this book did a good enough job and I really responded to them making him a more, more fully rounded character in the sense that they gave him motivations for being a part of the Empire and everything in ways that I just wasn't expecting. Yeah, because we never happen. really found out why he was right. there. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and especially since how did this alien... With, as as we've talked about, get to be such a high rank in the Empire when no other alien has this kind of clout. Like, that that was something that they finally, you know, uh, Zahn got this opportunity to answer. And I think it is fascinating to see that um, he's the only one, and that's for a reason, because he is pretty special. And uh, I'm not talking about eat the paste special, so um, <laughs> let's let's move on because oh, wow we we spent like 30 minutes talking about the character of Thrawn, which is pretty awesome. Yes. Um, and I think it was good. I mean, I don't know. I, let I, us know. Yes, yes. Let Tweet us know us. if it was good or not. Yeah, but let us know. Uh, you'll you'll let us know if it wasn't. Um, one of the fascinating things that uh, I didn't expect uh, until I went to Celebration and uh, I hadn't had a copy of the book yet. Uh, and so I was sitting in a panel with Zahn and he kind of ruined a few things for me. <laughs> Wait, was I in like that panel a, with you? Is that the one where there was other authors or is that something? Yes, like? yes, okay. yes. And he, he started talking a little bit about Arinda Price and everything and uh, I didn't really realize she was going to be a huge part of this book as as she is. 
uh, until he kind of gave some of those things away. It wasn't a big reveal or ruin or anything, but I was more prepared for what we got in the book, which is this interesting parallel between Price and Thrawn, who both break the mold for Imperials. And this was fascinating because we really got to see just how elitist and just how xenophobic the Empire is. Like, if you are from the Outer Rim or the Unknown Regions or Wild Space, I mean, you're like a hillbilly to these people, and they really don't want to have anything to do with you, especially the closer you get to the core. Uh, And the way that both of them are treated and what they have to overcome as obstacles to rise to the positions they do, I thought was really, really interesting. One of the big successes of this book is not just developing Thrawn and giving him more of a backstory, but giving us more insight and backstory into how the Empire operates. And I think we're really finding more and more of that operation within the different novels that have been coming out. And I'm really finding that to be the most fascinating point of these, especially, you know, when we read aftermath, I think you and I would both agree that was probably the best part of aftermath for us was Mm -hmm. what was going on within the empire. And we're getting that here too. I mean, it really gives you a sense of what it would be like. I guess what I'm trying to say, it's like you were saying earlier, Thrawn's not really a bad guy. And that's the thing I've really been learning about the empire. It's like, it's not just a bunch of bad guys. There's people that are there just because for what a selfish reason of their own, or just because they had nothing else better to do. And they joined the Empire, and it's not that they believe in the Empire, it's just there. You know, it's like, I needed a job, or I think I could get something else out of this, but I don't necessarily believe in what they're doing, and it's not what I really want to do, but I'm there for selfish reasons. So you've got this whole mix of different people within the empire, which really makes a lot of sense when you see people who leave the empire and become rebels themselves. It's because not everybody believes fully in the, the mission and, and the goals of the empire, like the empire does, if that makes any sense. (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. It's this weird thing. So think about it this way. Uh, Palpatine comes into power as the emperor, and basically says to everybody, I'm going to drain the swamp. But what he really does is allow the corruption to just magnify. Because when you're reading these books, like everybody gets into power in the Empire through all these nefarious means. They're, I mean, they're just, they're, they're taking people out left and right, that they're enemies, they're setting them up with false information or fake news. I mean, it just, it's full of absolute utter corruption and the emperor seems to just feed on it because it's it's a thing that kind of keeps everything in line um you know and and as long as nobody's trying to usurp him or the empire he doesn't really seem to care how the the rest of it is run and it it was really fascinating because you get this whole thing where thrawn rises through the ranks on his skill and and his tactical knowledge and the help of Vantu keeping him out of trouble as much as possible, as well as Yularen doing the same thing <laughs> uh, and, and uh, helping him out whenever he can. Whereas you watch the character of Arinda Price 
And she has the more classic imperial way of rising through the ranks, which is backhanded deals, corruption, uh, you know, framing people, uh, blackmail, all of those kind of things. And it's just so interesting to watch these two people overcome the elitist, xenophobic uh, barriers that stand in their way. And, and what I thought was really fascinating, and especially with Thrawn in this book that I, I, I actually thought was pretty commendable, Thrawn never complains once about his station, what people think of him, the fact that people look down on him because he's an alien. What does he do? He just proves them wrong time and time again and rises above them. And I thought, strange to think that you could actually learn a good life lesson from Thrawn or from an Imperial, but that actually struck me as something that is very commendable to put aside everybody else's expectations for you and looking down on you and just continually prove them wrong by how good you are. Yeah, he was just focused on his goal, his self. You know, just keeping in the lane and not letting not letting anyone distract him. And you know, Price, I think, was similar in a lot of ways. I mean, you mentioned yeah. the parallels. Yeah. I mean, there. I mean, if anything, and and again, for those who don't know, Price, Governor Price, is a character that was introduced in Star Wars Rebels, and in a lot of ways, I feel like this book could have been called Thrawn and Price because I, this is just as much her story as it or is Thrawn's his story. Price. No, I'm just kidding. Or the Price is Thrawn. Price um, is Thrawn. <laughs> <laughs> what is? But the is the Price right? That's the question. Well, it, well, Thrawn's always right. So, oh, you're right. There you go. The price like is it. Thrawn's right. There, you, yeah, excellent. Yes, <laughs> anyway. we've renamed the book. There you go, Delray. <laughs> and uh, Drew Carey will be on the cover. It's exciting, but <laughs> <laughs> but then Price became a much interesting character to me from this book than I've felt about her on Rebels, and. I mean, if anything, both characters have become more interesting to me. But again, I don't think she really was a complainer either. I mean, they really just, and I wouldn't even say she's evil or she's a mean villain. She became more evil and more of a villain towards the end for me, even more so than Thrawn. If anything, I think she's a little more dangerous than he is. I mean, I think he's smarter and more calculating, but she's, she's right there with him. But I think she's got more of an evil side to her. Well, and and in part of that is that in a lot of ways she has the classic imperial and and kind of more Palpatine like desire for power, and that's what's driving her. That's not what that's not what's driving Thrawn at all. Thrawn doesn't desire power. Uh, in fact, the only reason that Thrawn desires power is, and it comes out very late in the book when he's talking to uh, somebody who has been his kind of nemesis the whole series or the whole book his desire for power is to live beyond the emperor and that when the emperor dies he would be in a position of enough power to be able to influence what the empire became he doesn't really agree with necessarily what the empire is now and he would definitely do it differently if he was in more power than he had and the emperor was not around 
that's his desire. And I think that's fascinating to think like his idea is to try and work himself into the system enough so that by the time the emperor dies, he has the ability to influence what the empire will become next. And it's interesting to think of him playing that long con, that long game. Like he's looking so many moves ahead and he really is kind of the ultimate chess player because he's like, can you imagine a game of, of a tri-dimensional chess between him and Spock? It would never end. Um, oh, that would be excellent. That would be yeah, a good crossover. I, I want to I see somebody do like how it should have ended video with Thrawn and Spock playing chess. I think it should be Thrawn and Mir Spock. Oh, there you go. So, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think you're absolutely right. That's what makes him so fascinating. And and with Price, she she does and actually handle things very much the same way that Thrawn does in the sense that she doesn't throw a hissy fit or get, you know, pouty because nobody, like, respects her because she's from the Outer Rim. No, she continually proves people wrong by outwitting, outplaying, and outlasting everybody. I mean, this is like Star Wars Survivor. You know, uh, and that's exactly what both of these characters are able to do. Uh, And nobody expects that of them because everybody looks at them through those lenses of, oh, well, look where you're from. You know, you're just like white trash, basically, little Arenda Price or uh, look at you, little blue dude. What do you got? You know, like it it, and I I just find that ridiculously fascinating in the story to watch these two people overcome that in a galaxy that's dead set against them doing anything of value. They shouldn't be there. I mean, really, they are not the people that the Empire wants there, but they work their way in. They're there. So it is very interesting. I like the way you say Survivor, because I love Survivor. But Yeah, me too. My <laughs> wife and I, I mean, we watch it all the time. <laughs> me too. We never talk about Survivor, yet we both watch it all the time. Yeah. Okay, we're going to need to start talking about Survivor. Yeah. Uh, note to Bruce and I, um, we're going to start <laughs> talking about Survivor, but not on the show. Anyway, continue. No, but, uh, you know, he does, I mean, uh, Price, she does turn on her friends, and she still cares about them, but, you know, she, they're in the way of her getting to where she needs to get. And just like on Survivor, you may form an alliance and these people you may consider your friends, but in that game, you have to get ahead and outwit, outplay, whatever. I mean, you just turn on them and go to the tribal council and do a blindside. And that's exactly what she did. Hashtag blindside in this book. Exactly. Hashtag blindside. That's the show name right there. I love it. Uh, and, and you're absolutely right because she's the one who blindsides everybody on Scrum Island and at, uh, what is it, the uh, Creekside Camp yes. that all these people are at, that her parents are at. She's trying to save them. They've set up a... Um, force field around uh, uh, a shield around this camp and an imperial agent has helped her in they've res- they're rescuing her parents and she ends up having to kill him because he is going to leave her and her parents there she kills him takes the detonator that he set up to destroy the shield and the uh, munitions barracks. 
she blows that to high heaven with the shield still up and creates what they talk about in Star Wars Rebels when Thrawn first comes on screen. And they talk about this victory that they've had. And Callus says, weren't there more civilian casualties in that than there were actual rebels? And Price, I believe it's Price, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Twitter, but I believe it's Price, and she says, but it got results or something of that nature. And so it's really her that created that, but it's it's gone down as Thrawn's victory because nobody knew it was she that did that. That's how cold and calculating she becomes by the end of this book. And that's something that's antithetical to everything that Thrawn would have done if if he had been able to know that that would be something that might happen because that's not how he operates. Yeah, the section you're talking about is like the last four or five chapters of the book. And this is the point where I really was, I was invested in the book, but it was at this point that I was really invested. And it makes me hope that there's another book coming out that continues on with these two characters and the situation. Because at this point, now that we really know where they're coming from and who they've developed into, I want to see that play out more outside of what we've just seen in the Rebels animated show. Absolutely. And um, I definitely think we'll see more of them in season four of Rebels. But it makes me wonder... Will Thrawn survive and go back to the Chiss? Uh, or will he be somebody who gets taken out in, you know, the the civil war between the Empire and the Rebellion? You know, what's going to happen there? Will he leave before that happens? You know, uh, to me, that's fascinating because I, I, I really honestly want this character to survive. Uh, and so um, one of the things, too, Bruce, that happens in the story that I really liked was the way that this book has connections with other things that we've been seeing in Star Wars. Um, there's a specific call out to a group that Tarkin dealt with in the Tarkin novel, uh, a group of mercenaries and pirates, uh, as well as uh, references from the Clone Wars that we see uh, even specifically having uh, Clone Wars era tech, you know, that Thrawn loves to play with, whether it's buzz droids or uh, the, I think it's the V-19 uh, fighter that they're still using for a while, um, things like that that I thought were interesting. And then the other one that, and it's something that we've been seeing all the way far uh, back as New Dawn and Catalyst too, was the way that the Empire is taking over mining. And that's a big part about this book is the way in which the Empire is slowly changing the way that the the Star Wars universe mines and taking over those places because, well, we all know what it is. It's the Death Star. Yeah, I think that's cool and I like how that connects with the other books, but it's getting to be a little too much of a common theme for me. I, I I guess what I'm trying to say is it, for future novels, I hope we're not so focused on the Empire and 
the mining and and materials are going to be used for the Death Star. I feel like there's so many stories where there's speculation of, hmm, what are they doing? What are they mining? Maybe there's something bigger coming. And everybody seems to speculate that there's a bigger weapon out there. And of course, Thrawn figures it out. He even comes up with the name. It's called the Death Star. But, uh, <laughs> well, it's, yeah, because he, uh, he finally just uh, straight up point blank asked the Emperor about it, which was. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, he he didn't care. He's like, like he he's got he's got cojones of steel. I mean, he talks to the emperor like we talk to each other. Like he's not threatened by the emperor whatsoever, which I find fascinating. Yeah, it, it, he definitely it. He, they almost feel like equals in a lot of ways in the yeah, way they interact uh, yeah. with each other. But you know, I'm even sitting here thinking about the Empire Strikes Back and about the. You know, on Bespin and Cloud City with Lando Calrissian and the mining guild or whatever. It's like there's so much mining going on in the Star Wars universe, and I don't know. It's just, I, it's just again, it's like the Star Wars universe keeps evolving and, and and changing. And the fact that Star Wars has been around for most of our lives and we've been following it for so long, it's like I'm still learning so many things about it. And, and the way I look at the Empire is so different. There's so much into you know mining all this material and putting it into the Death Star. I used to wonder for years, why did it take forever to build the original Death Star? And the second Death Star only took like four years. Well, we find out it's because, you know, they're trying to get the kyber crystals to work. It wasn't the Death Star that took forever to build. It was to get it to work right. And I mean, it's just, we're learning so much. And, and, and that's, that goes in hand with Thrawn and Price. You know, we've, we've known Thrawn for a while and Price is a fairly new character. And we've learned so much about both of them in this book. They've been, they're so enriched now and it's just great how these things just build and build and build and there's so much more to quote mine in the star wars galaxy well and i i like that you point that out because i i think that when we think about the reality of building something that big and you're trying to keep it hidden you know you can't just start like a strip mining every planet you know you have to be strategic you have to be secretive and like that's the thing that I've really enjoyed about all these little connections that they've been putting in about this time period where the Death Star is being built. That if you're paying attention, you'd figure this out. And Thrawn, obviously, is somebody who pays attention to everything. And, of course, he'll be somebody who does figure it out. I do agree with you that it probably doesn't need to be a focus of any more books at this point because we got it. You build the Death Star. We got it. <laughs> well, I think it's because the story group is essentially saying, okay, here's what's going on during this period of time. Here's what we've set up that's going to lead maybe to some events in the new movies. So you can play within this. I don't think the story group is telling anything to these authors. Write a story like this about this, 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 right. and this. It's more like, okay, this is the landscape that you can play in. And it's all about right now, within this period of time, there's a lot of mining going on. There's some unknown region out there. They're building the Death Star. This is what's happening. Go. Write a story within it. Yeah. One of the the things that uh, also really struck me in this book, and I, I hope you agree, but I felt like Zahn did a masterful job of writing every single one of the characters, specifically all the ones we've seen on screen, because... I'm reading them and I can hear the voice perfectly from the Emperor to Thrawn to Ularan to Price to um, uh, Tarkin, the little bit he's here, the tiny bit of Vader that we get. Like everybody sounds perfect. And, and you know, when you 
especially now that Thrawn is somebody who's on screen and you have that voice in your mind, to be able to read a book and to be able to hear that character is the hallmark of the best of tie-in fiction writing. And to me, I just wanted to call that out because I felt like Zahn did such a great job with that. I, I agree. I think all the voices were spot on. I could hear the voices from the animated series of Rebels. I could hear the Emperor. It, it was spot on. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I, I heard your voices, Thrawn, because you like to imitate Thrawn. Yeah, so, <laughs> but no, kidding. It's weird but, when I call you and I'm like, hello, Bruce. <laughs> this is Matt. And then I fall asleep. <laughs> or you're just creeped out uh, well more <laughs> creeped out and then i probably just pass out because i'm freaked out so let me ask you you know we're talking about the voices being spot on but when you read the book how did you picture them did you picture the characters looking more real life or did you picture them in their animated form as we see them on rebels well it's funny because uh I obviously just picture Thrawn, uh, the cover, I think, of the book for all the covers they did, you know, the one for Celebration and everything. I think they did a perfect job of uh, creating a very human-like, uh, you know, a, a very real-looking Thrawn. And so that's actually what I picture for Thrawn. Uh, uh, Lauren, uh, kind of a combination between his animated form and then what you see in A New Hope. Uh, somewhere in there, a uh, price. I actually just pictured Kate uh, Blanchett yes. from the uh, yeah the the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I mean I, every time I picture Kate Blanchett, I'm pretty happy. Yep, from uh, Indiana so, Jones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're. That's a good question because you're right. You know, when you watch them in the animated form, it, it all flows together, and and it's probably really a combination of both. Um, but I, I felt like that was one of the things I loved about the cover artwork was giving you a picture of what a good live action Thrawn would look like. Uh, and so, um, yeah, Zahn just does a masterful job. So I just really appreciated that. Um, one of the, the, the other things that I was completely shocked by, Bruce, in this book is that Thrawn kind of has an equal and that equal is his nemesis throughout the story, his Moriarty. Oh, I was going to say that. See, I knew you were going to pick up on that, too. I kept thinking, is Matt going to make that same connection I am here? And you did, see? We yeah. think alike. And I'm sure uh, so we're not the only ones. What did you What did you think of, of that Night Swan character? And, and let me ask you this. Uh, did you think that, Maybe it might be a character we were already familiar with in Star Wars lore, or did you think it was just going to be a new creation? Because they were, let me put it this way, I was thinking the whole time, this this oh, this has to be a character we already know in the Rebellion or something. It's got to be somebody. Who is it? Is it like a Saul Guerrero? Is it that kind of character? Is it somebody else? Who is it? So I set myself up for that, uh, whereas my wife on the other side, always knew who it was, which I was like, wow, she's so much smarter than me. <laughs> was she, cause she was listening to the audiobook, right? Yes, she was. So I, I did think for a second, Oh, this could be somebody we already know. But the whole time I kept leaning towards it 
the fact that it was probably somebody new. I guess because I couldn't really think who, what existing character we knew of would fit it. I try not to think too much of it, though. That's the thing. You know, I was just like, oh, okay, there's this interesting character. I wonder, this mysterious character, I wonder who it is. Do we know? Uh, probably not. It's probably somebody different or new in this book. And then I try not to think that much about it. When it was revealed who it was, um, uh, you know, I was, a, I guess I was slightly disappointed because I, I guess maybe I was expecting more of a, oh, wow, is that who? night swan is but it was more like oh yeah that makes sense (laughs) you know well and and i think you're right because i felt the same way and it wasn't really until thrawn and night swan have the conversation together face to face that i kind of was more blown away by the character because it really is two equals meeting yes uh, two people who have gone back and forth in this, you know, galactic game of chess together, uh, who have begrudgingly learned to respect each other and fully respect each other by the time they have this conversation. And the offer that Thrawn makes to Night Swan, I thought was really fascinating. Yes, that would probably be what I think is one of the stronger scenes in the book. Uh, the fact that the two of them are talking together and Thrawn, who's facing basically his villain in this book, wants to recruit him. I mean, who would see mm-hmm. that coming? And not only that, but what really got me was more of Night Swan turning him down and admitting that everything that he's doing, he knows he's eventually going to lose, that there is no win. But he's dedicated to the cause that he's fighting for well and and it's so interesting too because night swan admits look i had once thought of bringing this these disparate elements of this kind of fledgling rebellion together but i don't know if anybody's ever going to be able to do that regardless of that i will continue to fight the fight that i believe i need to uh in what's right and and it's so interesting to me because thrawn again is thinking on a bigger level and he's thinking of the evil beyond the the galaxy and that's in the galaxy that's even worse than the empire and he sees the tactical genius of somebody like night swan and doesn't want that to be lost to the galaxy in a futile effort and i thought to me it just it it changed everything about how you view Thrawn and, and how you see him. And he's really, again, he's not a villain. He's actually doing what he's doing because he feels like it might be the best way to save the galaxy, even if it's not the prettiest way. And even his goal throughout being an Imperial officer has always been to save lives and treat people with respect. And I just, it, it was such a great conversation between those two. And in that moment, I didn't care that it wasn't somebody, quote unquote, more important. I felt, I was feeling the same things that Thrawn was feeling of, oh, what, what a shame, what a loss for the galaxy. Um, and it, it just, it, it really, I think you're absolutely right. I definitely believe that it is the, highlight of the book because it just brings everything together that you've been learning about Thrawn 
And uh, it really cements, I think, that his character. Last thing, the Bruce, that I think we should probably talk about, and we have mentioned him, is Eli Vantu. You mean and Watson? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, you had to say it, because pretty much that's what he is, is he is the Watson to Sherlock Holmes of Thrawn. And I like to think of him as basically looking like Martin Freeman, uh, who is Watson from Sherlock with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. And he's actually the smart version of that character because all of his years with Thrawn pay off as he learns from this master tactician and finds in a lot of ways that he has the same ability to think like Thrawn because his mind has been trained by the master and he's he's able to pick up pieces that nobody else can. And, and I just, this guy who gets tagged and his whole life gets turned upside down by this blue-skinned alien, right? All he wants to be is is a specialist in like databases and, and making sure inventories are taken care of. Like yeah, that's his. He's life not goal. looking to rise to the top. No, uh, and mainly too because he's he's from the outer rim, and um, my wife said that even uh, the accent that he's given by uh, Mark Thompson in the audio uh, rendition of this, the um, audio book. It's kind of a a more southern accent, apparently, which I thought was interesting. And, yeah, I really like his character. I mean, he's just somebody I can't wait to see again. And where he ends up at the end of the book, I was not expecting either. Yeah, he's the character I think is the relatable one. The one that, you know, that could be us. You know, he's not... He's not perfect like Thrawn and he's not as conniving as Thrawn in price he's just kind of falls into this whole situation and as he's watching Thrawn get promoted quickly he's not and there's almost a part of him that seems to be okay with it but at the same time a little bothered by it and every time he thinks Thrawn is going to be thrown down and and kicked out of the empire he kind of hopes for it because then he's released from this madness and he can go and do what he wanted to do originally and just live the simple life in the Empire. But then when things don't work that way, where Thrawn doesn't get thrown out of the Empire and kicked to the curb, I get the sense that he's okay with that too. It's like he's fine either way, you know? I, I, I mean, he eventually does get promoted. I think you know he also wonders if Thrawn really even cares about him at that point because Thrawn just keeps getting promoted and says, oh, "Yeah, I I tried to do for you, and it nothing worked out. They didn't promote you," which is funny because Thrawn always seems to get his way. And even I was reading this wondering, can I trust this guy? Because you know he says he's he's you know speaking up for Eli, but doesn't seem to happen yet. Did he really, or is he just saying that? And I, I'm never really sure, it, you know, when we talk about Sherlock Holmes and Watson, there's a, there's a friendship there. And I, there's a friendship here between Thrawn and Eli, but not as close. I, I wouldn't put them in the category of good friends. I don't know if Thrawn really has Eli's back as much as Sherlock would have Watson. That's that's interesting because, you know, especially where he ends up, you know, Eli at the end ends up with the, Sh the Chiss Ascendancy sent there by Thrawn because to lose 
I, 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 we don't know exactly why Thrawn sends him there other than he's sending them somebody he trusts to be uh, a good tactician, somebody who, uh, it, 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 who has earned his respect in the same way that Night Swan did. And that was what I thought was really interesting, that Thrawn's care for Eli was to, I felt like, give him an education that he would never have gotten before because he saw in him some the ability to be almost as good as he is. And, you know, I think that's really... It's a different type of care, but I really do think he has a heart for Eli because in the end, too, he's the one who, when he makes the deal with Arinda Price, he says, oh, and the other thing you're going to do for me is you're going to get my um, my ensign, my aide, you're going to get him a promotion. Uh, and he not only gets promoted from ensign to lieutenant, but to lieutenant commander. Um, and so like he makes that a part of that deal. And so to me, that solidified that he really does care. He, he had to wait for the right moment till he had the political capital, which he's never had before because he keeps not having anything politically minded that's going his way. He tactically, he does, he's just not politically minded. And this gave him that opportunity to finally fight for the person who has been on his side the whole time because he's had to, but in the end, you get this kind of like, it becomes like a begrudging friendship, and then it becomes a friendship by the end. I yeah, like. I would say a friendship. I guess for me, I'm what I'm trying to get at is I don't see them having tea together. I mean, there's a friendship there, but not, not as much as like, oh, let's just sit here and have some tea, like Sherlock Holmes and Watson would. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and that's the thing when you were talking about you, you wanting more, like, I, I want more of Thrawn, I want more of Price, and I want more of Eli and what's going to happen to these characters. And I'm really interested to see the way in which the Chiss might play into other things in Star Wars now. Because they are out there, right? They're, they're I mean, they're, they're an they alien... set this up, for sure. Yeah, and so, um, and then there's something else that's out there, and obviously that's all being set up, but I just, I... I would love for them to be a part of maybe somehow the New Republic with uh, episodes eight and nine, maybe, or, uh, you know, something like that. Just give us something crazy. Just be awesome. Uh, and I also just want to, I want Thrawn to survive, you know? Um, so I, the, the thought of losing him is just too much. Well, we've already so. lost him once before. You don't want to lose him again. No, absolutely. <laughs> so... The thought of losing you. <laughs> By the way, speaking of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch batch, uh, with um, Sherlock, there were times that I did picture him playing Thrawn because I thought, you know, he would make an excellent Thrawn. And like you said, Martin Freeman would make mm -hmm. an excellent yep. Eli. No, I can, I can uh, absolutely see that happening. So, um, Bruce, let's, let's rate this. Uh, I, I think it's time. Uh, to give Thrawn its rating. Give Thrawn his proper due. So, uh, again, never been a 
big Thrawn fan. And I don't mean, when I say that, it's like, I like Thrawn. It's just, I feel like so many people really love Thrawn and I don't really love Thrawn. I like him a lot. I just, I'm not that into him, but this book definitely helps with that. You're just not that into him. I'm just not that into him. He never calls. He never writes. It's pretty pathetic. But I, but this does add a lot more dimension to him. And I like where things went with price. I like learning more about the empire. I think there's, I think the biggest surprise I got out of this book was also it's opening doors of other things going on in the Star Wars universe that I think plays into this new canon timeline continuity that's being set up. I, I didn't really expect to get that out of it either. So a lot of great stuff in this. So I would say that I would give this book 4.25 red eyes. Ooh, that's that's that is pretty creepy. Out of five eyes, yeah, that's that's creepy. <laughs> uh, especially that point two five eye. That I don't I don't even want to know. Well, it's um, it's it's not like a a quarter of an eye. It's more like an eye that's not fully open. It's only a quarter open. That's maybe what. Okay, I mean. gotcha. No, that makes sense. Uh, goodness, I. I really, really like this book. And part of that was that I felt like this story just kind of sucked me in. Uh, I really enjoyed getting the opportunity to see the Empire from Thrawn's perspective. And I also got a real kick out of seeing Thrawn's perspective uh, and who he is as a character, who he is as a person, what makes him tick. All of those things to me were just... The, 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 what I kind of hoped that this book would be about. And so the fact that it, it, it was in that vein, but then I also got the opportunity to uh, see the rise of Arenda Price and where she came from and how she becomes the governor of LaFall and how that all played together and the, the backstory for the things that we've seen in Rebels, which uh, I, everything about this book I just really thoroughly enjoyed. And part of that just had to do is I just felt sucked in to everything that was happening. And it wasn't because it was off the wall crazy or anything like that. It was just because Zahn wrote everything so well that I just wanted to keep going. And I just wanted to keep enjoying the politically corrupt house of cards style imperial world that he was creating as all of these people are, are, playing themselves against each other and, and trying to rise through the ranks. I just, I was really enjoying it. And I love the new characters that we got with Vantu. I thought Night's One was fantastic and very interesting. And I was left loving the character of Thrawn. And so all in all, this is a top-notch book for me. I mean, this to me is at the uh, at the top with the best of the new canon you know uh it belongs right up there with lost stars and dark disciple and um you know uh, i'm trying to think um, i don't know why my brain is going blank uh, uh bloodline bloodline there you go and uh a new dawn uh, catalyst which i really enjoy all this just it, it's right up there uh, and i absolutely have no reason to not give this five out of five blind sides. Um, I I just think it's it's a it's a quality, fantastic read. 
and so, yeah, I've gushed enough. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to us talk about Thrawn. Uh, I hope that everybody out there will get a chance to read it and enjoy it, and I can't wait to hear the conversations around this one. Uh, you could find us, of course, uh, check out the Babel Conference. It's a great place to go to have conversations with us. And then, of course, on Twitter at TrekFM. Thank you so much to our associate producers. I really appreciate Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson making this possible. Uh, they've been with this show for a long time, and they've been with the network an even longer time through Patreon. And honestly, without their support, there's no way we can make this happen. And our network is just way too big. So please... Go to patreon.com slash trekfm and you can see how you can join the network and be part of our team and just make sure that all the shows that you love on Trek FM keep coming to you each and every week. Uh, and uh, we've got some great perks for you. You can have early access to content, uh, seats on the content development team. We've got um, the Patreon roundtable that happens. So much stuff is happening. So just go over to patreon.com slash trekfm and uh, every little bit helps. It really does. So, uh, Bruce, it's wonderful to have you back here in the 602 Club. Thanks so much for dropping by. Let everybody know, before you get out of here, where they can find you and what you're up to online. You know, I didn't think I'd have a whole lot to say on the show, but obviously I did. So <laughs> I was like, "What are we? I have some things I want to talk about, but I don't know if I have that much to say and come to find out that I did. So thank you for bringing that out of me. But you can find me on Twitter at... That's ad- why I get paid no bucks. Exactly. Yes. And Ruby so. keeps the drinks coming. That really That's helps right. too. But you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And uh, you can find me talking about other books and comics, but in the Star Trek universe on Literary Treks with Dan Gunther. And of course, Matt joins us quite often. And you can find me talking Star Wars on the Star Wars Report podcast with Riley Blanton and and Mark Herleman. And, uh, you know, we were just recently at Celebration and, you know, Matt and I were there together and they were actually uh, selling exclusive Star Wars Celebration Thrawn books. That was like a big thing there. Everybody was trying to get hold of those books, Matt. I know you waited in line, I think, twice for the book. I did. And to no avail. So uh, but it was excellent and it was totally worth reading. So hopefully everybody uh, does read. By the way, you you never asked me and I, I didn't want to break your heart but i ended up winning one of those books oh <laughs> that's fine no it's cool it's it's fine bruce i mean i i only stood in line twice and it's cool whatever don't worry about it um i'm not hurt at all it's anyway ladies and gentlemen um, thank you for joining us yes thank you so much for being here i'm gonna cry now anyway <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. You can find me uh, here on the network, of course, talking about Deep Space Nine with Chris Jones on The Orb. Uh, We are excited to be back soon, so keep a lookout for that. Uh, And as we talked about 602 Club and Star Wars The 602 Club Collection, all that's on Apple Podcasts. If you do like Star Wars, I've got a great show over on the Nerd Party Network at thenerdparty.com or, of course, on Apple Podcasts called Aggressive Negotiations. Hanging out with John Mills talking about all things Star Wars. Uh, we recently covered my first trip to Star Wars Celebration ever, so you can get that newbie experience. Uh, so make sure you check that out. Uh, I 
work with uh, Star Wars Report too. Uh, I actually do the book reviews over there, and uh, you know, if you just want to see my written review of Thrawn, you can check that out at uh, Star Wars Report. And of course, last but not least, uh, Drea Kaufman and I are doing a show called Owl Post, a Harry Potter podcast, and we are walking through each and every chapter of the Harry Potter series. We are just about to finish uh, the first book. In fact, that comes out next week is the time that this episode drops, so make sure you look for that. It's a blast, so I hope that you will. And thank you so much for joining us, and may the Force be with you. <laughs>